This meeting is being recorded. G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Fight for Success podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ian Bone. Ian, welcome to the podcast, mate. Morning, Michael. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm currently sitting at home with uh, with COVID, but uh, you know, there's yeah. worse things happen, I suppose. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Mates, um, for the for the listen, listen, uh, listeners at home, um, just a quick 30 seconds. Who, who's Ian? Um, all right. So I'm a martial arts coach. I uh, own and run Courage Training Center in Townsville. We have, we have at any given time, three, four hundred students. Um, so it's good. We prob- I probably started doing that in 2014 after a um, short career in the in the in the military kind of started working as a personal trainer and got addicted to working for myself and it eventually turned into you know stopping subcontracting for other people and helping them grow their um things and trying to provide a better solution for people who wanted to train uh, mixed martial arts in townsville so were you already training martial arts um before 2014 or did you start then um I started when my wife was pregnant with our first baby. Yep. So that was, I think, probably around 2005. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like a lot of people, I, I, I started probably in my, uh, in my mid-20s. Yep. I think. Um, it, it was a really good transition for me from the military because I, I got to have a hobby and find yep. my identity past obviously the restraints of uh being a soldier and a and a veteran so mm. i found that very useful um uh, for my transition yeah awesome and like um what wh- what was it that actually got you starting martial arts um you know what i th- i think i always wanted to do it i tried a couple of um dinky little clubs when i was 13 or 14 i think i tried kung fu and never went back for a for a second lesson it was a bit it was a bit weird for me i tried i tried two lessons of of taekwondo it was a bit weird for me yeah again i think uh i'm a real practical person so i think something like boxing or or judo where you generally rock up you do some training and then you'll get amongst it and you'll give it a red hot you'll give it a red hot go yeah you know so I, i like the I really like the practical, useful type martial arts that you can put into put into practice. I think maybe in the last um, 10, 15 years, those martial arts are starting to take over and any of the others are either trying to attach themselves to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or mixed martial arts to refine their practicality. So it's not so much um, lost. But I think there's there's probably still a place for people that want to do non-contact martial arts but hopefully eventually they stop calling that type of training self-defense training Um, yeah you know there's something there's something for everyone and that that was kind of the gap that that i saw too because i started training at a place that did uh you know they still they're still calling it nhb when i when i was training we kind of did one day of nogi brazilian jiu-jitsu every now and then if there was a a judo comp or something we would put on geese and maybe go compete in that or and then the next day was more like full contact karate style but they weren't really delving into too much into boxing and uh 
the boxing and, and Muay Thai. So when I started fighting, I was having to do extra training after class just to get my body used to the right length rounds. Mm. I had to ask people to do sparring with headshots and all, all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, so it wasn't really the, the final solution. So our whole timetable now is hopefully there to provide people that want to train recreationally in jiu-jitsu, boxing or Thai boxing, they can do that. But if they wanted to train professionally and do conditioning in the morning, pads, pads one day, drilling the next, skills the next, the, the timetable's there for mm. them to be able to do that. So hopefully then more, more people can kind of commit and we'll get more mixed martial artists. But at the end of the day, uh, to be honest, even if I look back at my own experience through martial arts, the best things you get out of it are, are, are rarely the actual fighting. It's the, mm. the process, the routine, the questioning yourself every time you go to training, how am I going to get better? Who am I? Why am I doing this? You know, it hurts. All that kind of, all that kind of stuff uh, are actually all the good things to do with martial arts, which is exactly why I called it uh, Courage Training Center because the idea is you're meant to do something that's hard and scary every day and mm. then hopefully you'll build your courage muscle and then be able to do better in all the things that you do. So for me too, setting up a, a business in the best training environment for my students when uh, I could no longer compete anymore because my body was so busted was my way of showing them that you can still be good at things and take your experiences from martial arts and have it improve the rest of your life. And it, it just wouldn't have been authentic if, you know, we weren't training in the best environment. It wasn't the cleanest. We weren't improving. We weren't getting new gear, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, it's, it's so, um, it's so true though. Cause the, like from, from my experience, when I, when I did that in MMA fight, um, you know, all, all the family and everything was so concerned about what I was, what was going to happen in the actual fight. But for me personally, the biggest mental game was actually the, the lead up to the fight, like doing the training, you know, talking to myself in the mirror saying, you know, you can do that, like trying to hype myself up um, the roller coaster of emotions of doubting myself. And um, the act, the actual fight on the night was actually the fun part. Um, do, do you find that with some of your fighters that um, sometimes the hardest part, of the fight is actually the lead up to the fight. Yeah. They've got to respect the process. Mm. Like, I mean, it's one thing to be scared. It's another thing to be scared and do nothing about it. Like, I mean, yeah. that's the whole idea. You're doing something scary. So it's like, well, it's, it's scary enough now that I should be getting out of bed in the morning and running. I should be doing my conditioning the day after I yeah. should be, I should be stretching and doing yoga the day after that. I should be grappling and striking every day. And if, if you're not doing that, I would suggest you're not doing that out of fear to give yourself an excuse yep. when you when you lost. You know, like but it, your fear should propel you towards um, a really solid preparation. And then, yep. when you lose, you you've leveled up. You know, you've confronted the things that you're scared of and all that kind of stuff, which yep. Hopefully people can use when they're like, you know what? I hate this job that I'm working in and I really want a new one. Well, guess what? The first job you get from hating the job that you've got now is probably going to have to be a stepping stone job. You might have to go back to serving coffee as a barista while you're studying um, 
whatever it is that you want to do for your, for your new job. But mm. we haven't prepared people with the fact that sometimes you've got to go backwards before you go before you go forwards. You know, mm. like you don't have to go from one sweet job to the next sweet job. There's like this weird sense of entitlement that yep. people want this wonderful job doing whatever they want for good money, mm. but they aren't willing to take the stepping stone jobs uh, in between, which, you know, it's kind of like fighting. It's like, I tell my MMA guys now, you know, I wish I had, a, uh, I wasn't so self-coached and had, had more coaches, you know, so I tell them, hey, if you're going to fight MMA, we better be getting you into some local jiu-jitsu competitions, seeing that they're so popular now. You know, when I was fighting in Townsville, we didn't have local jiu-jitsu competitions. Yep. It was one of the reasons I started fighting because I flew away to a jiu-jitsu competition in Sydney, came back and was like, oh, that's just like a bunch of hard rolls. I won a couple, lost a couple. I just spent like $800 that weekend, you know, with a young family at home, working part-time. Yep. Um, so, you know, you've got to take those stepping stone jobs, which is, I did a lot of those when I when I left the military. I've worked as a supplements salesman. I've worked as a gym attendant. You know, like I I, I helped people uh, open their own gyms. You know, and worked fitness classes and boot camps and 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 all these things, which was a decent apprenticeship. You know, like it was probably six six years in other people's martial arts and uh and fitness gyms seeing how they run before mm. i before i went out on on my own you know so it was a, a fairly decent apprenticeship so i had a fair idea of the things that i wanted to to um do and upskill and to be honest i probably would have i probably would have no, never left the first guy if he would offered me like a a fair deal to hang around i probably would have done the same thing i'm doing now for you know, 60, 70, 80 grand a, grand a year. But, you know, like I'm, I'm glad we kind of like um, <laughs> headbutted each other a little bit at the, at the end because it was the best thing for me. At the time, it, it kind of felt like, okay, well, this is a little bit annoying. I'm going to have to start from scratch, you know. But, you know, now we, we, we're probably in the, the top percentile of martial arts academies in the country in the fact mm. that, you know, we have a good student base. I have three full-time employees and we've we've recently in the last 12 months um, purchased a, a new building and have, you know, a, a thousand square meter building. I rent out um, a, a small part of it, but the, the gym itself is about 700 square square meters gone from 290. And, yep. uh, you know, we're, we're our own landlords. So nothing can stop us now, you know, like it's, the business is now completely, I call it stormproof, you know, where we can't shut down. There's nothing that can shut us down anymore. There's no accidents that could happen. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about the landlord selling the building and somebody else using it and having to move. Mm. You know, we're, we're locked in to hopefully in the next 10 years, become a, become a Townsville staple, you know? Yeah. No, I've seen the, I, I haven't um, been able to go to the gym yet, but I've seen uh, just on, on Facebook, the, the the facilities that you guys have, and it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, it all looks like schmick. It's all white. It's beautiful. It's um, really nice equipment and all the classes look pretty packed as well. So um, yeah, it looks like you're running a pretty good, pretty good gym up there. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, we, we, we got nice, consistent classes. I always thought, you know, like 
people used to love going, oh, I like going in the smelly old boxing gyms like, <laughs> with the things on the wall. But like, that's not a high performance environment. Like yep. not being, not being clean, things being messy, things not being replaced as soon as they're, as soon as they're broken. That's not a high performance environment. You know, yep. like if you, if you went to an NRL team's um, gym, you know, like it's clean, everything's put away, it's professional. That's kind of where we wanted to, where we, I kind of wanted to start taking martial arts gyms instead of like complaining about like it not making money, this, that. And, you know, like who wants to listen to their coach complaining about, complaining about money or never replacing his mats and yeah. training the same puzzle mats today that you started on seven years ago, you know? Well, I mean, we've only been operating since 2014, but we've we've constantly been upgrading the mats as soon as they get like holes in them and start getting filthy. It's like, okay, it's time for time for new mats. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, that, that's that's definitely definitely a good thing. Maybe would you say your gym is more focused towards um, MMA or jujitsu, or just a it's just a bit of a mix for both? Um, look, I mean, this for for mixed martial arts coaches out there, there's probably a little bit of a date, a debate. Like it's a sport of their own, and I have friends that run mixed martial arts gyms that think that mixed martial arts needs to be a sport on its own. I think a little bit differently. I think the future is 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 probably combat athletes that can make a good living by being able to switch between sports. Yep, they're more the same than they are different and I, I believe strongly that you could be a great boxer and a great Muay Thai athlete at the same time mm. you know and you see you see that happening time and time again you know we saw John Wayne Parr do it we've yep. seen um, other guys in Australia do it that held Australian titles in both boxing and and Muay Thai yep. and I just think you know like if if people started doing it earlier they would find the switch easier to go okay well not everybody's going to do well in the UFC and you're probably going to get cut. Yeah. You know, the average length of a fighter is maybe three years, but if you're obsessed to this professional fighting type thing, if you take a boxing fight to improve your striking every now and then from the beginning, I believe that the future is being able to access those things. And mm. what better thing for a, a, a gym like ours to have some people that only come in and do boxing and they specialize. So you have a bunch of great strikers for your MMA guys to yep. to get with all of my Muay Thai guys, if if they struggle to get matched, have been happy to take um, boxing matches. And if we get matched fairly, more often than not, they're winning. Yep. You know, so the idea that you can't, I think, every time we have people cross over, and they do semi well in all of them. I think if you did more crossing over early as like a training experience because you probably find not too many mixed martial arts because they're oh, boxing sparring is bad for you. No, they're working their hands. They're getting better at a skill. So if, yeah. if that's the case and we're doing high IQ sparring in the gym and get the guys aren't going a hundred percent all the time, then if every couple of months you can take a boxing match, instead of trying to hurt guys in your gym, you get to try and hurt guys from other gyms. Yeah, that's like, it. And take a local amateur boxing match. So that's, that's kind of the attitude that we that we've taken. Again, even now, like I might have an average of like the top one two percent wanting to wanting to wanting to fight that that train with us. So it'll only leave us with like 
three, four amateur fighters at any given time. My two coaches uh, fight professionally. So I've got one that's fighting professional um, MMA and he, he's happy to do a little bit of boxing and tie boxing every now and then. He's had hundreds and hundreds of jiu-jitsu matches, which was just unavailable to me when, mm. I, when I was coming up. So they're, they're quite good. And I feel that's the first lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts and, and fighters that we get come through are definitely um, a little bit moving towards a higher IQ of fighting style um, than I had at their at their period of time. So I'm glad that we're we're leveling that we're leveling that up a little bit, which is good. You know, and being able to employ them so they really get to think about martial arts all day obviously mm. helps that process as well. Yeah. But you've been you've been obviously following the sport for a long time and also comp- um, competing and training for a long time. What, what how do you think the sports evolved? Um, whether it's jiu-jitsu or MMA, how do you think the sports have actually evolved in that time? Well, jiu-jitsu is blowing up. Like, yeah. you know, like we have regional tournaments. We got one this weekend. We had one a couple of weekends ago. Uh, next weekend after this, there's one in Cairns. So people are kind of often willing to travel three, four hours um, to compete, which I'm not, I'm not sure that that's sustainable in the future. Like the more uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments you get in towns where people are going to be like, well, why am I traveling to Cairns? Yep. It's, it's four hours away. And I think what will happen is towns will, will get more clubs and Cairns will end up getting more clubs. I just, I do see it uh, continually expanding and I think that's a good thing you know like if someone opens up a club down the road I just hope they get involved in all the tournaments and they do a good job yeah <laughs> whereas sometimes I think people think you want to see them fail but like the last thing I want to see is other clubs fail I want yep. to see them I want to see them do well and I want to see them flourish and I want to see them buy into their own clubs not you know like when you run a good club that has good ads and you pay for marketing and you you, you help people get across the line by selling them. It's no, never a sellout. It's always a buy-in. Yep. You know, you're going to have more white belts eventually that end up turning into more blue belts. That, yep. you know, you'll have more recreational boxes that will eventually turn into more boxes. You know, and as a probably as a country, Australia can be um, it has moved along the lines where it's fairly soft, and I think martial arts is probably one of the antidotes to that softness, but yep. it takes time, you know, like, it's not like you can't wait for the next tough guy to come off the street. You've got to wait for the next good student that comes in that has a great attitude and, it, and you've got to be willing to build their toughness over time and then straight away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like you go back, you know, 15, 15 years, all the big tough guys just played like rugby league or union or something like that. But um, you get the you're getting these guys now that are coming up that are kind of tough dudes, and they're getting into MMA, and they're actually doing re- really, really well at it. Like you look at the UFC, um, guys from Australia, New Zealand. There's Izzy, there's Volk, um, Whitaker, like all these guys who are like world champions, um, and a lot of guys that are coming up as well. So I think now that we're getting more and more Aussies and Kiwis as as champion, more people are getting into the sport as well. And then you're going to have so many more people coming up. And I think in 10 years time, we're going to be um, like a dominant force in, in those bigger promotions. Yeah, I definitely think per capita we will, we will do well. And I think it, 
like legislation wise, you would think Australians don't love fire sports, but we do, you know, like <laughs> love contact. Love it. Yeah. You, you know, we have we have three forms of football because we love hitting each other, you know, like it, 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 you know, it makes it makes sense to me. Um, and I, I think um, definitely it's it's another sport. And, and martial arts is always, um, if you put all the clubs together and all the different martial arts, it's actually always been like a really, really big sport. Mm. The people there that, that want to do martial arts have always, have always been there. And I think, like I said, in the last 10, 15 years, the the uh, kind of like the fast nature of of mixed martial arts has been really appealing to people mm. and more clubs like ours that do mixed martial arts boxing and tie boxing you know yeah you know, professional structured setting um are going to become more pre- prevalent so i'm hoping more people that run these little boxing clubs out of their out of their sheds realize that they could probably quit their job open a bigger shed become structured set up a good, strong uh, business and, and do what they love full-time, mm. you know? Yeah. How do, you, how, how do you think the actual sport um, itself has actually evolved? Not, not just how big it's getting, but um, do, do you feel like, I mean, people, I, th- I think one of the big reasons why jiu-jitsu kind of blew up on mainstream was because of, you know, Hoist Gracie in the UFC one where he just kind of dominated um, all the other different martial arts and it kind of put jiu-jitsu on the map, right? But do you think um, jiu-jitsu has changed a lot since kind of those days compared to what it is now? Of course it has. Yeah. It's, the, the whole idea of, of jiu-jitsu in a philosophical sense is it's a, it's a, it's a problem-solving martial art that, that adapts and absorbs other things so well. Yeah. You know, and the, the leaders of it, Hickson and the, and the Machado brothers doing Sambo competitions and anything they could get their hands on in, in America helped it helped it evolve. Yeah. You know? And people are doing that now where, you know, we've got people taking on uh, wrestling classes and wrestling coaches and folk yep. style wrestling. Greco-Roman wrestling is finding its way into jiu-jitsu clubs. And I just think, you know, now there's even more than one type of jiu-jitsu, you know, like, you you know, it's quite easy to say, oh, wow, that guy has, like, an MMA style of jiu-jitsu. Oh, that guy's really, like, he's got a real sport jiu-jitsu yep. orientation. Like, the, stylistically, they they have, uh, it's evolved in having all these different things, you know. I think I think the only one that I'd miss out is, like, I don't, I try not to talk about self-defense jiu-jitsu too much because I think that really should be, we shouldn't be separating that from, uh, MMA, jiu-jitsu, all that, all that much, you know, like people really want to go the, down the self-defense rabbit hole. They should be taking um, rules of engagement courses and mm. uh, awareness courses and all those type of things. I don't even think your local martial arts um, instructors uh, that push that kind of stuff often are, are away from really usable martial arts and things. So there's a, there's a disconnect there. And when we market um, our gym, we say it might be good for self-defense, but when people come in and they say, what's good for self-defense? I'm like, well, you should be striking two, three times a week and grappling two, three times a week. Yep. Other than that, be a good person and have good manners. Yeah. And you're, <laughs> if, you're, if you're really worried, you need to actually invest 
the time and consistency. And I think anything else is really uh, inauthentic because violence is so chaotic and often uh, perpetrated by someone that's already more violent than you, probably yeah. bigger than you, stronger than you, faster than you. You know, like it's done by bullies. That like if you're not, if your 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 skill level, it can't be achieved from a th- three four day thing. So. I think jiu-jitsu is wonderful. I think it's as, as far as uh, the arts that I've trained, it's the one that probably changed the training methods of all the things that we train. We kind of use uh, a similar kind of concept to skill acquisition uh, in our other classes, um, which has been really beneficial. Um, and I think the whole jiu-jitsu for everyone thing is like, I mean, everyone could do a jiu-jitsu competition. Like you could train in a club for three months and go do a jiu-jitsu competition and get your ass beat, tap out, and most likely not be very hurt yeah. at all. You're oh, going to go back, work on my cardio, work on my skills. I'm not that good yet. And you'd go back and you would learn to compete over time. So when I talk to my students about jiu-jitsu for everyone, I tell them like, you may not want to be a competitor, but that stress testing of like, doing a competition once a belt level or once a year is going to be really good for your personal growth. Mm. And, and like, and then, you know, you could be a black belt then that only competed four five, six times ever. And you could tell your students that you hated it, but I'm really glad that I, I did it. I, I think, don't think you'd find very many people saying after they did a comp yep. that they aren't glad they did it, even if they didn't enjoy it. Yep. Yeah. What, what about, um, what about takedowns? Um, do, do you, do you think it's, um, do you think that the takedowns have kind of been, um, I don't know, it's it, like, I've, I've trained at three or four gyms now, like um, regularly and some of the gyms focus a lot on takedowns. Some of the gyms start all their fights sitting down. Right. Um, yeah. Like if it depends, I think it's also depends if it's a purely jujitsu gym versus like an MMA gym or has wrestling and things like that. Um, yeah. Do you think that what's that? Sorry, which is interesting, right? Because sometimes yeah. you go to a gym that's marketed themselves as self-defense, yep, and they start every roll on the ground and they don't even have a takedown sign, yeah. But it's how many times have have you been threatened by someone laying down on the ground or on their knees? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I know, and I I find it bizarre though when I go to a, a purely jiu-jitsu gym and like every fight, like I I get it when there's so many people on the mats that it would be dangerous for everyone to be throwing people. Um, but if there's not enough, if you got plenty of space, I feel like you should always start standing up because you need in order for jiu-jitsu to actually work, you need to first be able to take your opponent to the ground. Um, if you're both still standing, you can you could throw a punch, you could throw a kick. Um, like you know, you need to still get them to the ground in order to be able to enforce that um, kind of martial art. The less injuries you get to, mm. and there's always going to be people in the room that uh, have injuries that they're like, you know what, I've you know, like personally, I've had five knee operations now, and whenever I stand up wrestle with people, I feel my knees shifting. You know, so, you know, whilst I never would have considered myself a, a guard puller, I very rarely do anything on my on my feet anymore because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a busted old retired MMA fighter and black belt. Yeah. So uh, if we start on the feet, you know, a lot of the time I, I might have a muck around or I, I might pull guard. And I think that that's okay because at least you're practicing. I think that's okay too, yeah. yeah. Pulling guard in a, in a sports or, or recreational sense of things. When we got more space at the gym, uh, we've done more takedowns. 
but we have a, a, a takedown dedicated night on Friday at the, at the end of the week where we do some, uh, I, I call it wrestling for jiu-jitsu or wrestling for MMA because I'm not so concerned about uh, where the fight finishes as long as you're like looking to get the takedown and get to some type of a type of a top position or, or, or pin, you know? So yeah. we, we don't do, I don't, I don't feel the need to do a wrestling class with wrestling rules. Yeah. I think, I think I personally think that's a little bit silly. I think we should just be absorbing the best that we can learn from the sport of wrestling and Greco or judo and all those things and turning it into our own. Um, yeah. It's a wonderful thing about having space. You can have people start on their feet. Often when we do grading days, now we put a couple of people in the middle and say, okay, we're going to do, you can do takedowns for, for five minutes with a, with a fresh person every round. And we do do more of that stuff. But when, when we had 290 meters squared, we had a wrestling night and that was about it. Yeah. Because we had five, 30 people sometimes on like the mat was only 70 square meters. And then I had another 49 square meters of the cage, you know, so it wasn't a, not a huge space. Yeah. Yeah. So if I had guys getting ready for MMA fights, they'd be in the cage with with a couple of select opponents and they could start on their feet and do what they, what they needed to do. And the rest of us would be uh, down mucking around on the mat. I do think it's probably an issue, but in, I do think there's a gym for everyone though. Like, yeah, true. Some people are like super scared of it and hate it. <clears throat> then go do it. Just, just make sure it's authentic with what you do. You know, like don't, don't go telling all your friends you train jujitsu for self-defense if you refuse to, refuse to do one day a week of, of takedowns. And yep, that's something that I've been able to tell my students. I think coaches can inspire their students by just giving them like just the god honest truth and say hey look jiu-jitsu is a wonderful art for self-defense and it can it's a great problem solving tool but if you don't master a couple of simple takedowns like a single leg a double leg Mm. and body locks and some and some trips maybe some head snaps then you're probably not training for self-defense because you can't even you can't even take it where you where you want to yeah that's it. And if you're never doing any kind of boxing sparring, being able to close that distance while someone's violently hitting you is going to be is going to be really difficult. Again, I try not to go down that rabbit hole too much. I can give advice to people, yep. but I like my own students to find their own journey. So we have jiu-jitsu students that that they do in the back of their head. They're like, "Yeah, I do do it for self-defense." So they rock up to wrestling on Fridays. They do a bit of wrestling and they do a little bit of striking um, every now and then. And then I got some students that are just like, man, I just want to do leg locks. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's plenty of those now. Do leg locks. It's yep. great. They were great, great leg lockers in the gym and they, they never rock up to, to wrestling class, yep. you know? <clears throat> do I think that person can still be a black belt? I think some of them get so bloody good at jujitsu and, and, and wrestling on the ground that I do think that that person, even with limited takedowns that they have or limited experience on their feet can still be a good black belt. Yep. I just think uh, 
it's uh, more what I look for in people is their ability to 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 solve problems. Yeah, and like if they're a good problem solver, that person that I think could use more work on their takedowns. They're such a good student that it wouldn't take them long to pick that up. If you know, like at the point in time that they decide to do it, because I think that that mindset when people are are often wondering, you know, like what a black belt is and some clubs will have like curriculums. Here's your blue belt curriculum, here's your purple belt and regurgitate the stuff uh, for us, which I think is, I think is nice, but I think it misses the, it it misses the point. It's a collection of techniques rather Mm. than to uh, create and uh, destroy techniques as well. You know, your ability to problem solve anything, you know, like a, a, a good jiu-jitsu black belt doesn't have a, a million sweeps. He knows how to sweep someone because he knows if he, if he collects the popes and carries their weight in, a, in the right direction, that he's mm. going to put them on their back. You know, that, that to me makes more, more sense. So w- when you're doing your grading, because um, if you don't have a, like a strict <laughs> curriculum or anything like that, um, what's, wh- how do you kind of judge if someone's ready to be a blue belt or a purple belt or a brown belt or a black belt? We don't have a strict curriculum. We've got a strict structure. So we, 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 we stick to training a particular position for a certain period of, of time. And then we move on to the, we move on to the next one. So we recently created a, uh, a path to blue belt, uh, selection of techniques. It's like, we really want you to kind of like go through these things and this should, this should set you up for the future. And then you should be adding all the skills on top of that. You know, like I just, I, I picked a bunch of, um, basic techniques. It actually ended up being pretty big because I think being able to understand the, the language and the, and the, all the positions is, is really important rather mm. than having things from all those positions. So, you know, for example, Bluebell probably should know what, um, as a couple of different open guards are like Deliver De and whatnot, but he he definitely doesn't need to be able to bear and bolo from it, but he should be able to do a tripod sweep from there. Yeah, you, you know, just some real basic stuff. I suck like, at bear and bolos. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't do it properly. Yeah, Look, I mean, inverting and all that stuff is you know, like I mean, it it, it has a place, but like yeah. I mean, how many times? Have you seen in the UFC on a, on a weekend a guy with good jiu-jitsu um, trying to kiss the dragon while while someone's punching him? Yeah, you know, it's just it's just a different it's a different speed, and there's there's a different threat level, so you end up selecting different techniques. Do I think those techniques are, are useless for MMA guys? I don't because I feel like the body awareness that you build from practicing techniques that are fun in your off time when you don't have fights coming up or as a warm up drill yep. is really your body awareness because inside the chaos you can get flipped upside down, turned inside out, and you need to be able to pick where you and your opponent are as a given space of time. Yeah. So I think rather than saying techniques are bad, I, I more try and take like a 
okay, maybe even it's just a Swedish approach and just try not to say that they're not all bad. Here are the good things that you're going to get out of it. Yeah. I think you find selecting that technique at this point, like a ninja roll, like who's going to give up half guard to do a ninja roll back take in an MMA fight when I can just slam my fists into your body and your head. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Start to get, and start to wear you down. Do I think that that technique is still no good? No, I think it's good, but like you might want to save it for like the end of a round, or you might you might want to you might want to you know just just practice it for fun. So when you do sports jiu-jitsu and you're rolling, you can have fun because doing fun things keeps you on the mat. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, you know. And I just think anybody that you know like is telling you that this technique's bad, that technique's bad, this is shit, that's shit. You know, like and. I'm, I just, I just think maybe that's not the correct approach. Yeah, I think yeah. every technique's um, got its place for um, certain certain martial artists. Like um, Baron Bolo's good example. Like for me, I'm probably never going to actually try it in a role. I'll try it at drilling and things like that, but I'll, I'll probably never actually do it in a role. But there's guys at my gym who do it every role, and they're damn good at it. And I can't get out of it when they're trying to do it. So. Um, it obviously, it obviously <laughs> works for them, so <laughs> you'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, you just take time, and I think you know, like I never thought I, you, you know, like when I started, you know, I didn't have coaches that were pushing me along at the correct times. You know, yeah. like I would have, I think, in my first five MMA fights, I would have fought at least two uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belts. Um, mm. But it wasn't until years later, almost when I had 20-odd fights, that I found a coach and he gave me a blue belt and made me sit at that for ages. And then, you know, like I was made to go through the pain of of waiting and waiting still um, to catch up. But in, in all, in hindsight, you know, like I had all the skills um, that I was, I was happy to be fight, you know, I never asked when I was fighting people, you know, like, what belt level are you? Uh, yeah. Even at the beginning, I just thought, okay, well, this guy's good at the ground stuff, so I need to be careful and make sure that when I, I either stand up, hit him on the ground, and do some anti-jiu-jitsu stuff, which I think is a good mindset because at the end of the day, you know, like even when you look at people now, I got, I got blue belts on the mat that are real dangerous that you know move through quick, and I don't. I don't hold them back now. We we promote them nice and quick because I want them to, like, I want them to go and I want them to compete with the next level. If anything, you know, like I don't want to sandbag guys. I want to be like, oh, hey, that guy just went down to Brisbane and won a, a purple belt division. You know, like, yep. Let's see if you can do that again. If he does it twice, I'll be like, all right, sweet. We should probably start thinking about promoting that guy and putting him back under the pump. Yep, that's it. Yeah the pump again you know we don't want to we don't want to sandbag them i want to put them under the pump and i want hopefully one day you know like by the time i got my black i think maybe i got my black belt covid happened i decided to run 2.4 k's a day for for 90 days to stay fit i ended up with meniscus surgery you know like i've had wrist surgery since then you know like in the last 10 years i've had eight or nine orthopedic surgeries I want people to have their black belts before they reach this stage so they can compete at a black belt level and, and, and do all those, all those things as well, you know, because the clocks, 
the clock's ticking for a lot of those people. Yeah. Um, what, what, what do you think is the deal with, um, like, obviously, with what we do, um, you, you are tangling your legs up a lot. So knee injuries are, are pretty common. Do you, do you think it's um, also that people just aren't strengthening and, and conditioning their, their legs enough to, you know, prehab themselves ready for training? When, when you look at sports like netball and uh, touch football, the injury rates on that are actually so high. And I would True, I'd love for yeah. someone to actually do the statistics because I don't see it a lot uh, in the younger grapplers. Yep. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, once people start turning 30, I do start to see it a lot. Yep. You know, and like, I mean, sort of bring the bear of bad news, but it's probably going to happen to a lot of us. And, you know, like this, I, you know, you'll always hear someone real resilient, you know, like that has good genetics say, Oh no, if you do this and you do that, you know, we're like, it's just not the case. Yeah. That's it. If you, if you are right into sport and you've been doing it for a long time, you've only got so many kilometers on your, on your knees and, and joints. And, you, you know, like 30 plus, it starts to happen and you know when i started we i never had a coach talking about tapping early and you you know like we never had that kind of like old wise jiu-jitsu guy on the mat saying good things you know if anything we had an old grumpy guy somewhere in the corner just telling you to to harden up you know like rather than train better yeah true true yeah i think but, that that tapping tapping early mindset is definitely um it seems seems like something that's a bit more newer to the sport than back in the nineties or anything like that. Yeah, Just understand, and understanding too, like if you're getting stacked and weighed on you all the time, you're messing up. You know, like you need to pull out of that. You need to pull out of that armbar and go back to go back to close guard and try and put it on again where you can't be stacked. You don't have to sit there in it while they're putting pressure on your neck. Yeah, true. <laughs> there's nothing. There's literally nothing holding you there. Yeah. You know, but there needs to be someone with experience with practice in, in their neck to go, hey, man, like, seriously, that guy's 50 kilos heavier than you. <laughs> Swing back to close guard. You know? <laughs> as soon as he has that stack, you're not getting that arm out. Yeah. You know, protect your neck first. Yeah. You know, um, it's definitely something that uh, we, we, we're, we're trying to work on for people's longevity and just to get them to get them to black belt earlier and less damaged. And then hopefully their jujitsu is good enough that they don't end up with a, with, with as many um, ailments as the people before them. Yeah. You know? Sometimes we look at these broken people that did amazing things like Hicks and Gracie was busted, but like all those um, no weight limit Valley Tudo fights were definitely not good for his body. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> You know, yeah. Same, same as you know, like challenge matches. You know, like and all that, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, if if I looked back at some of the, the, the training that that I did too, you know, like um, like okay, there's a big guy. So tonight I'll use that big guy to practice my side control escapes because they're everyone else my size is too easy to get out of. So I'd go put myself under the biggest, the biggest guy to improve my, my side control escape. So, mm. you know, instead of having uh, a 
coach there to fix things for me. I often had to do things the hard way. So, I'll, you know, like instead of me just asking someone or, or doing a class and figuring out what frames or what techniques that I weren't using from side control, just put myself under a heavier guy and then, yeah. And yeah. You know, yeah. That's the fastest way to learn something. Yeah. You know, it's doing the best of with what you can at the, at the time. But um, again, like I said, I wanted to improve all those, all the, all those things, you know, all that support that I missed, I craved, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one day um, I have coaches at the gym and I just rock in and train three times a week, you know, the gym runs itself and I go back to being a, a student and I, I help hand out higher grades, you know, I could, I could, I could see myself actually really enjoying that, you know. Because while people think it's super fun, you know, it just must be so fun handing out grades. It's actually like heavy is the crown, you know, like it's people start gossiping about this person, that person. You want it to be, you know, and I always want grades to be good for the person, good for the art and good for the team at the same time. Like it's actually, it's more complicated than you think. Mm. You know, then you have like, an, you know, we, I gave it a 50 year old woman, a blue belt, it, you know, <laughs> You know, like, so you have all these uh, extra things that you have to think about then. It's like, well, you know, she can't train as hard as everyone else. She can't train as often, but she's been turning up all, all the time. You know, like when you talk about techniques, she knows them. She knows the details, you know, like she probably trained two, three years fairly consistently for, the, for that blue belt. And it's like, well, what kind of jujitsu are we expecting to see for this person? Yep. Yeah. And then you could have another another person maybe come start training jiu-jitsu with you that's maybe intellectually impaired. Yeah. You know, so your job is to somehow set goals for that person and say, well, here's the hoops I want you to jump through that I think are, are doable for you. You jump through these hoops and you'll get some stripes. Yeah. You, you know, whereas, uh, you know, just... Uh, regurgitation of techniques and curriculum kind of like leaves those those people's out and those anomalies and you'll have fitness anomalies too like I doesn't train with us anymore but I have this great CrossFit uh, competitor train with us oh mm. a nightmare and you would tell him one or two things like concepts about guard retention and he would just be like all right yep he'd accept it and just do it yep you know? <laughs> Yeah, when I was training at um, Game Break, because there was a lot of, um, there's a CrossFit gym next to it. So sometimes you get some guys there that do like competitive CrossFit stuff and they'll come over for their very first jujitsu um, lesson. And you'd think that you're going to be able to, you know, handle them pretty easily, but they're just ridiculously strong. So you te they teach them like closed guard and you can't break their, break their legs or anything. They're just so bloody strong. So yeah, you definitely have to have a different, different approach. To them and that the biggest problem then is is getting those guys to slow down so they don't hurt themselves yeah true yeah yeah because you know? they always think like more effort is better yeah <laughs> actually in martial arts um, more effort isn't isn't always the appropriate thing to do it's like saying when you drive a car is, is if you're driving a race car is it always best to have the accelerator all the way down that's and right. Race car driver will tell you that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes yeah. you have to go slower to get a better time. 
That's you, it. you know, sometimes you, so you got to you got to pull back so you can so you can learn and you can figure out back because you you hurt yourself all the time. You know, it's one of one of the things that um, definitely I had to learn, especially being self coached. You know, like I felt like if I didn't slow down, you guys aren't gonna you guys aren't gonna get me. But I'm not learning at that speed. I'm just saying that you're not gonna get me today. Like we're competing, but when someone has just as good jiu-jitsu and just as good intent as, as you, then the more technical person that can do better problem solving is going to, is going to win. So if you've missed that in the way that you train, that you're going to be in trouble. Well, um, for any, for any of the listeners, if you haven't got into um, jiu-jitsu or MMA, I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend it because um, it's definitely changed my life. Um, yeah. When I first uh, got into jujitsu, I, 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 I was kind of like a, uh, cause I played heaps of rugby league and heaps of rugby union. I remember my first jujitsu lesson. I just, I thought that I was going to just be pretty good at it. I was like, yeah, I've done jujitsu. I've done rugby league. I should be, I should be all right at this. And I was kind of saying that to the coach and he was looking at me like, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how you go, white belt. Um, and uh, yeah, he put me up against one of the. Um, he was, I think, he was probably about sixty kilos. He was a black belt. He competed all around the world. Um, this was down in Sydney, and um, he put me up against him first, just to try and humble me. And so I, I remember standing next to him because I was about one hundred and ten kilos at the time, and he was only about sixty. And I kind of looked at the coach like, "Oh, do I need to take it easy on this guy?" <laughs> And um, yeah, it was the most humbling experience of my life. The guy like got me into a, uh, like a, uh, he had a triangle. He was on top of my shoulders, had me in a triangle and just completely strangled the hell out of me. Um, and he did that in probably about t- 10 seconds max. Um, so it was a very humbling experience. I think he subbed me about 15 times in one round. Um, and uh, yeah, I just kind of realized how, how effective this uh, martial art actually is. So that's what kind of got me hooked. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I remember the the first guy I trained with, he did a little bit of wrestling with the with the cowboys. Yep. And uh, if he had a couple of good grapplers, we would we, he would he would invite us in to do some pummeling and drills and whatnot with the with the cowboys. And I remember them having like uh, they had uh, uh, Webby was playing then and so was luke o'donnell and luke o'donnell is like this herculean yeah man like his, his calves are as big as my thighs yeah like he, was, he was just ginormous and he he came up to me and he was like you want to do some extra rolling on on sunday because he was friends with uh with ian Schaffer in in sydney who was a uh, a mixed martial arts fighter in australia that had fought in uh Pride once or twice. Oh yeah, I think I know you talking about. Yeah, or, or heroes. Anyway, so so rock up on Sunday. We go into the gym and have a roll, and, and he's just so big and strong. But I'd only done about twelve months of jujitsu, if that, maybe even maybe even less. And I was able to beat him most of the most of the time. I'm just this is ridiculous. This guy plays for the Kangaroos. Yeah, you know, like he's a He's an, he could just rip your arms and legs off. <laughs> this, this thing works, you know. Yep. So I'd teach, I'd teach him at least what I knew at the at the time, and um, we would roll together every every now and then, which was just 
bizarre that I was just getting this kangaroo texting me every now and then going, hey, you want to do some jiu-jitsu? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think once you once you slow it down enough to like feel their where their the weight distribution is on on your body, like those big strong dudes, if they don't know what they're doing, like they become easy to sweep. Um, that was one of the things I noticed when I was, you know, first starting. I'd probably been doing it for about 12 months. Um, and we had a couple of big rugby dudes come into, um, into our gym and my coach was like, oh, Michael, just roll with these guys. And I was, I was scared shitless. Like I was thinking these guys are going to smash me. Um, they were probably like 40 kilos heavier than me. Um, they look massive. They've obviously been playing representative football. Um, but you know, they, they put their weight too far over this side of sweep them that way back. I'm on top, um, you know, drop my hips down and then they don't know how to get out of that position. Um, so the jujitsu definitely works if you're going up against someone who hasn't trained before. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely amazing like that, which is, you know, like it's, it's the whole idea that like knowledge is, is going to win those things. You know, it's like, it takes a significant amount of boxing knowledge to make a violent beginner seem useless. Yeah. Significant amount. Okay. Whereas jujitsu you know, like 12 months of knowledge might be enough to make a violent beginner look useless. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the same, sometimes, sometimes the same could be said for, for, um, uh, if boxing and Muay Thai and, and things like that. They're so, they're so violent that someone really pushing forward and going nuts and being really violent on you can take a little bit of, uh, effort to take care of Muay Thai is a little bit different because you can you can clinch them a bit. If I had someone that was a beginner that was really violent that I had to sort out, we, we, I'd probably be clinching them and using using sweeps, which is again using grappling. Yep. To take away that that violent advantage, where you can start using your knowledge of of balance to to win, which is which is why I really think for, for self-defense, having like a, a good grappling base and a good understanding of, of balance is super important. You know, and I, I've actually done a lot of self-defense seminars uh, with one of my old coaches. He used to run self-defense seminars and you get all different types, people from Krav Maga, Kung Fu, Kyokushin Karate, Judo, boxing, people that were just interested in self-defense that wanted to hear what this, what this guy had to say. And often it was the it was the people with uh, grappling experience that, in like self defense training scenarios, all performed much better. Mm. And unfortunately for them, the, you know, like the reality self defense guys and the Krav Maga guys were really poor problem solvers. Mm. You know, so as soon as someone with a judo background is holding onto them and hiding their head, and they're like can't reach the nuts and the, and the head with crazy elbows and no one's letting go. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, which is just, it's complete. It's, it's interesting to me, but it makes, it makes perfect sense. Cause the guy that designed Krav Maga actually had a wrestling and boxing background, you know, you okay. history. And then he wanted to be able to teach people the most usable things in a quick amount of time for, for them, for their military, that they don't have enough time to become as good as he did through years and years of training. But the average person, you know, who's 
18, 19, 20, 25, 30, who wants better self-defense. There's probably another year or two before that guy in the pub wants to wants to hit you or you feel you feel like it's safe to go around people again because you have a reason for doing self-defense, whether it be a, a violent partner, a mugging, or you got hit in a bar or, or a nightclub. You need, to, you need to avoid those places. And often we find those people that were like, oh, I got bashed one night after work, so I took up jiu-jitsu. That person's never been bashed at night after work again because they avoid those situations. Yeah. But you just improved their life and gave them confidence to not worry about that thing anymore. But they've never been put in that situation again, which is uh, an interesting observation. Yeah. I mean, I, for, for me, like when I was back, if I think back to when I was like 18, 19, um, you know, we used to go out a lot and, you know, fight, fights would happen a lot, to be honest. Um, you know, hanging out in King's Cross in Sydney, you know, it's a pretty violent area sometimes at, late at night. Um, but what I noticed when I got into martial arts was I was staying away from that stuff. Um, I kind of saw what's, you know, guys in the gym that I would look at on the street and think, oh, yeah, I, I could take this guy very easily and see what they can actually do to another human being just with their hand, their hands and their feet. And just think, you don't, you don't know what the average guy on the street actually has done before. You don't know how much he's been trained. You don't know what he's capable of. Um, so I just, it's just steered me away from street fights altogether ever since I started training. <laughs> yeah, which is which is good good advice for for anyone really. Yeah, you know? I definitely uh, I've experienced both sides of those 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 things. You know, being a young guy in the in in the military in Townsville, which is you know like it's a it can be a it can be a violent place at times, and I think Australian drinking culture has a lot to. Um, you know, a lot to answer for in that way. You know, we, yeah. we literally have places that don't serve food that you just rock up and just get served grog after grog after grog. But you go somewhere like Japan, and, you know, those those places almost don't exist. You know, they're all restaurants. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And they, they know drunk people don't get along. So the restaurants are like sectioned. You put in a little room with you and your mates. Yeah, it's so true. It is true. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. Mate, what what would you say to um, parents out there? Because obviously, I've I've spoken to a lot of parents saying you should get your kids into jujitsu or something like that, just to um, teach them a few self defense um, moves. And a lot of the time, they they're nervous that they don't want to get their kid into it because they don't want them getting into fights at school. What would you say to parents who are nervous about getting their kids into jujitsu or some sort type of martial art because they think that their kid's going to actually just go out and fight fight people? Well, they're not, and they're, they're if they're going to get into fights, they're going to get in fights anyway, and they would just be under underprepared. Yep. So, you know, like I mean, it's we don't you you never want your kids to fight. You know, like I mean, my daughter, she's tie boxed twice and boxed once, and you know, like I never asked her to do those. I was like, oh god. You know, you don't want to see him get. You don't want to. You don't want to see him get hurt. It's a lot of hard work to do these things. Yep. So now I'm like, okay. I tell my students all the time, like, I don't mind if you guys don't want to fight, but if you do fight, you're a keeper of the standards. Hmm. You know, because I'm not sitting in a hospital bed next to you after your jaw is broken or you're knocked out, knowing that you didn't do the training necessary. Yep. You know, so it's the same with your kids. It's like, well, if you're going to do this, you got to do it right. So yeah. A lot of extra 
extra work for me. Uh, but I really think, again, we have communication and conflict problems. People don't want to have tough conversations with people and they're not good at approaching conflict with people. In fact, this whole system avoids conflict now. So because the education system is so annoyed of like what parents, we don't even have a kangaroo court at school anymore. Mm. Two people do a fight and instead of saying, well, we know this kid's a bully and bullied this kid and then they got into a fight, both kids just like randomly get suspended and have the same punishment. Yep. Teaches your kids nothing about justice. Yep. So the only way to teach your kids about conflict and justice is to know that there's an end point where you actually have the right to self-defense. Mm-hmm. That's any time that you're threatened within uh, punching or touching distance. Yep. You know, that's the, that's the reactionary gap. You can't threaten me with violence inside that gap and not have, not have me take, take care of it, yep. you know, by removing myself from that, from that gap or taking care of you in a, in a violent way. Um, so what, what place talks about the right for self-defense? The only place that talks about the right to self-defense and the skills to deal with it is going to be inside your local martial arts cops. Yep. That's it. Yeah. It's like that old saying, it's better to be a um, warrior in a garden than a gardener of war. It's like you, you, you want to be prepared to defend yourself and never have to d- defend yourself than to yeah. not be prepared and then get yourself into a situation where you can't get out of it and you need to defend yourself, but you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. I just, and the, the, the growth that kids from get from martial arts and having friends outside the gym and being able to do something as primal as play fight with their friends every day after school, it's a really good vehicle for creating good students, not good martial artists. I say again, it's a really good vehicle for creating good students, mm. not good martial artists. I don't care often if the kid gets good at martial arts between zero and, and 15. Yep. I want you to become a good student and love martial arts. And I know you in that time, if I teach you to be a good student, that the martial arts will take care of itself. Yep. You may or may not be a, a great competitor, but you'll be okay at martial arts. But what you should be is a good student. Mm. You know, like imagine if we just approached all the all adults like that too, where you have like a, a slow learner coming in the gym. They go, oh, I'm uncoordinated. No, you're not uncoordinated, mate. You're untrained. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, things. No, it's not that you never remember things. You just don't practice them enough. Yeah. You know? And getting them to change that script in their head because you see this self the defeating stuff i might tell someone one day man i can't believe how quick you're learning this no i'm terrible it's like no i'm the coach i know that you're actually learning this quite quick quickly compared yep. to other people you're not terrible <laughs> <laughs> you know you yeah change that. they need to change that script in their in their head you know for whatever other reason and that yep. that's probably the most powerful tool that um people will learn in martial arts. I mean, we all got two arms, two legs. Some of us learn faster. Some of us learn slower in, in, in different areas, but there's got to be a, a belief and a commitment to the, to the process. So kids, especially, you know, it's like, you don't need to be coaching your six-year-old kid from the sidelines in their jiu-jitsu match. Yep. Hey, make luck. Make sure you have fun out there. Then they get off, <laughs> win, lose, crying, not crying. 
hey, mate, you did great and proud of you. What a good effort. Yep. Yeah, it is interesting when you go to a jiu-jitsu tournament, you see like the um, five, six-year-olds and the parents are just blowing up on the sidelines. Like, um, yeah, just let them have fun. <laughs> well, all those parents that are blowing up on the sidelines that maybe listen to this today, when yeah. you're yelling at your kid who's already 14 points up and the other kid's zero, remember there's another poor kid underneath there. Yep. That you're, you're literally, you're celebrating and, carrying on and there's a poor kid under there that's feeling stress and, and pressure and embarrassment and shame, you know, like, you know, they, they all need a round of applause and just a little bit of encouragement and, and less coaching, not just from, not just from parents, but from coaches out there too. Yeah. Give them the trust to just have a go. You, you know, give them the trust to just have a go because what I eventually noticed was that like, while I thought I was giving these kids nice technical advice or whatnot, I probably should have just been giving them encouragement because I'm putting pressure on them hmm. because they often don't understand the technical advice at the level that you're delivering it. You know, you say, look, just, just, just frame on the, on the hips and, you know, like, and then they put their arm up in the air and then they get, then they get, then they get arm barred, you know, like, yeah. it's like, did I actually help them? You know, probably not. And if if that's the case, a lot of the time, save yep. the jujitsu lessons for jujitsu class. Yeah, and let people compete on their compete on their own. Maybe if it was a you know like a professional match where people are getting getting money, you know. But other than that, you know, they need to people need to have the confidence to experience that jujitsu and the mistake uh, by themselves, especially at local at local competitions, you know, I think people just need to chill out just a, just a little bit. And I think it often shows like maybe the, the ego of the coach says like, Oh, the kid's losing, but I want to show everybody that I know stuff about jujitsu. <laughs> they're, 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 they're talking all this stuff out. And it's like, you got an, you got an eight year old there who's dropped the bundle, you know, like you're not helping right now. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's uh, good. Good advice, mate. And um, yeah, I, I encourage anyone to get into jujitsu or um, MMA or some sort of type of martial arts. Um, so if you're up in Townsville, go go check out Courage. Uh, is it Courage Training Center? Yeah, Courage Training Center. Yeah, we got a full size cage, ring, couple of couple of bags. You know, there's a, there's at least over over three hundred and fifty squares of like training training space you know unencumbered by by anything else um again i think we've got the nicest cleanest facility um that that you'll find in uh in north queensland um so we, we've really tried to give it a, a high performance feel so when you're in the middle of the grind you walk in there and you wake up and you're like oh this place is like pretty cool to be at yep. you know which is obviously like if you if you if your body's sore and you're rocking up to training I, I think it doesn't hurt to have somewhere nice to be training at. Yeah, that's all right. Any and did you guys offer any like kind of trial um, class or something like that? Or the first class for free. We want to make sure that um, that people at least know what they're what they're in in for because we're we're pretty structured in the way that we approach classes. So you know that, that class will feel pretty much like the next like the next class. Um, so I. We do we do do a trial class, and after that, uh, weekly memberships are probably the best the best way to go. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll encourage anyone um, in North Queensland to go check it out. Um, Ian, really appreciate you jumping on, mate. It's uh, It's been a really good podcast. Um, we're only going to do 15, 20 minutes, but I think we just uh, got carried away a bit, which is awesome. Um, it was good, good chat. Um, really, really good to talk about um, your your journey as well. And um, yeah, I think uh, our audience is going to get a lot out of it. So I appreciate you jumping on. No worries. Martial arts is always easy to talk about. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely, it probably annoys my wife and, it, and everyone else. But, um, I suppose that, you know, it, it turns into a into a crazy thing then, and I think it it happens to a lot of people that that do start martial arts. And I think that as the older the older you get, the more broken you get. You kind of look back and see how it improves the other areas of your life, and that's that's all you can hope for your for your students as well that they take up something and uh, it hopefully affects their life in a in a real positive manner. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks again for jumping on, um, Ian. Appreciate that. I'll, ch- I'll chuck it up on YouTube and Spotify today. And um, yeah, really appreciate you jumping on. Pleasure, Michael. Anytime, mate. Awesome. Chat soon. See you, mate.